Hello and welcome back to Don't Depend on Daddy, the podcast. My name is Michaela. I am your host. And we are back today with another podcast episode. This episode is going to be all about financial anxiety, how to deal with it, how prevalent it is, all the things. Before we get into the meat of the episode, I want to first do housekeeping. I want to address the rebrand because I haven't done that yet. And then we'll get into things. So housekeeping. If you like this podcast, please go leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm trying to very much so create a better podcast, a better experience for everyone. Part of that would really be great if I could sign with Podcast Network. In order to do that, we need to grow the podcast a little bit more. So if you like this podcast, please go leave me a review. Tell a friend, leave a comment on my Instagram or on my TikTok or on my YouTube video. Share it with someone. Send it to people who you think could be or could find value from it because it really, really, really helps grow the pod and hopefully will help me bring you guys a better experience, hopefully more guests, a better audio, better production quality, all of the things. So that is that. Next, I want to talk about the rebrand because obviously we have a new name, Don't Depend on Daddy. The first three episodes of my now rebranded podcast were pre-recorded. So I was home for a few weeks and I pre-recorded a couple of podcast episodes so that I could still get them up while I was home just because I was out of my usual setting and I didn't want to like chance that I wasn't going to get an episode up. But because I was home, I didn't have a chance or haven't had the chance yet to talk about the new name now that you all know it. So when I recorded those podcasts, it was before we rebranded. And then the first week that I was home was when I, you know, launched the rebranded podcast per se. And I knew that some of you guys weren't going to like the name. Um, I think I had alluded to that a handful of times. Overall, the general consensus was very, very positive. A lot of you guys really loved the name. You loved the graphics and the whole new energy and vibe with Don't Depend on Daddy. Obviously, I knew this was coming. Some of you guys didn't like it. And I understand that maybe the name, if you take it or interpret it literally, isn't relatable. Maybe, you, you know, you didn't grow up with a father figure or your parents weren't able to financially help you or didn't financially help you or whatever. I did get a couple messages of people explaining their case saying maybe they didn't like it, but they're still gonna listen. I just wanna say, if you don't like the name of the podcast, that's completely your prerogative. I personally don't really care. Um, the podcast name is the podcast name. It's not going to change if you don't like it. I hope that most of you guys do like it, but I think I just wanna clear up or share what the name actually means and to not fully take it literally. I think an issue that we have on the internet in 2022 that kind of stemmed maybe over the last couple of years as the pandemic happened and the world kind of flipped on its head, everybody on the internet takes things so literally these days and they forget that like branding and messaging, etc., is a thing. So when I say don't depend on daddy, it's not necessarily supposed to be like your dad gives you money and whatever. It's really don't depend on anyone. It's like, how can you create your financial future without depending on anybody else? If I were to name the podcast, don't depend on anyone, it doesn't just, it just doesn't hit. It's not the same thing. Don't depend on daddy. It's an alliteration. It rolls off the tongue. It kind of you know, pays homage to Call Her Daddy, which is a very famous, successful podcast. 
Um, so don't take it literally. If you don't have a dad or uh, you don't have a father figure or a male figure in your life and maybe you don't relate to that, that's okay. Think about another person that you don't want to depend on, maybe somebody else who could have provided for you growing up, applied to your situation. But you don't have to take it literally if it doesn't resonate with you. I want to be very, very clear that the messaging behind it is to like not depend on anyone to bring you financial success except for yourself. Another thing I wanted to address is my parents don't give me money. So that's not where the name came from. Yes, growing up, my parents did provide for me so that I could eat and go to school. But I am a 27 year old adult, I live on my own, I pay my own bills, my dad does not give me money, my mom does not give me money. When I go home they feed me, but when I'm in LA, you know, they are not paying my bills, I do not depend on them. That's the whole point. So hopefully that's clear. If it's not clear, I don't know what else to tell you, I'm not really gonna go into this again. But yeah, that's the new podcast name, Don't Depend on Daddy. I personally love it. I knew there were going to be people who didn't like it, but as is anything, that is just the way the cookie crumbles. So moving on, I wanted to also touch base or just catch up with you guys on like my life, how I've been feeling in general. I have a episode, or not an episode, um, a new YouTube video coming out on Friday where I go through my September reset routine. And if you watch my reset routine videos, you know that part of it is like reflecting on goals and setting new goals and all of those things. And so I'm not gonna go as deep into it here, but I know not everybody watches my YouTube videos. You should though, if you don't, especially the reset routines, they're like the best videos in my opinion. But basically I have just been in a, big, a bit of a funk over the last couple of months. I'd say ever since like June-ish. And I don't know if it's the summer, I don't know if it's just like being more relaxed, but this summer I basically let myself be chill. I stopped following a routine, I kind of allowed myself to lean into the summertime, having more plans, having more going on, and it really has not been working for me. I have realized that I'm not chill, I need to have a routine, and there's nothing wrong with that. So basically, what I am trying to do is get back into a routine and hopefully re-inspire myself a little bit just because this lack of routine, the lack of like just structure in my life over the last few months has been not only hard for me to navigate, but it's also put me into like a real creative rut with my business. And now I feel like it's starting to have a tangible impact on my social media channels and everything like that in my business and my ability to show up as the best version of me and put out really good content. And you may or may not have noticed that on my channels. Um, I feel like I've done a pretty good job of like hiding it. Um, but overall, like I just have not been feeling very good and I wanna be transparent about that because I know everybody kind of deals with, you know, and I don't want to say depression because I'm definitely not depressed, but just lulls or ebbs and flows with how they're feeling about their lives, how they're feeling day to day about their career. And I think it's easy to see somebody online, myself included, showing all the fun stuff they have going on um, and all the success they're having. Like, I don't want to diminish anything. I've had a very successful year. I'm very lucky to have been able to quit my job and I live in this amazing city and I have amazing friends and I'm doing all these things, but... I have still been having a really hard time just kind of getting my bearings. I don't know what is going on, but 
essentially I need to get back into a routine and I want to get back to the basics when it comes to my business and talking about financial concepts and financial education. Over the last, I would say like six months or so since I did quit my job and I've been more transparent about like my corporate experience and things that I've learned and navigating this new life that I have with my business and everything, I've kind of gotten away from the core of what Break Your Budget is, which is a financial, personal finance platform. And you know, I've branched into career content and increasing your income and all of that. And the response to that has been fantastic. Like that is content that you guys want to hear, specifically career content. And I'm not going to stop posting that or sharing it. But that being said, I do want to really bring the personal finance focus back and have that be the primary port like I guess meat and potatoes, proverbial meat and potatoes of my page as opposed to like career inside also stuff. So we're getting back to the basics starting now really, um, but really the focus in September is to get back to the basics with my content. And obviously there will still be career side hustle, increasing your income content on all of my platforms, but we're getting back into routines. We're getting back to the basics and all of that. And I'm excited to feel, hopefully feel a little bit better. I've been back in LA for almost a week now and I've been really making a point to like have a routine, get up earlier, eat really healthy and just like reinvigorate myself a little bit. And I'm feeling significantly more productive and just much better overall, less burnt out. I think one of the reasons why I was struggling was just because I haven't set good boundaries with myself, with my business, and I say yes to too many things. And I need to learn how to be a little bit more protective of my time. So with that, we're going to get into the actual meat of the podcast episode, which is financial anxiety. And I think this is a good transition because since I have not been in a routine and since I've kind of been feeling in a little bit of a funk, I've also noticed that I've had a lot more anxiety when it comes to my finances. And a lot of this is self-imposed anxiety, but I think ultimately financial anxiety is something that everybody deals with in one way or another and how you sort of react or deal with it is different. But for me, the reason why I feel like Break Your Budget was even born was because I had such severe financial anxiety to the point where it was almost like obsessive and it did become obsessive. I just feel like I have really started to get back to that kind of anxious, obsessive, but also paralyzing feeling when it comes to my finances. And I want to just talk about it, I think, a little bit. I want to talk about why it happens, how prevalent it is, how, you know, I deal with it, how some other people tend to deal with it, like how it manifests in your day-to-day -day patterns. And then also what you can do to sort of address it a little bit more tactically instead of just sit in the anxiety. So First things first, I do want to touch on article that I read and I think there are some really interesting stats in here. So I subscribe to Medium, which is like an online op-ed kind of, I don't even know. It's not like a news site, but really it's where, you know, different writers and stuff can go on and write opinion pieces or their perspectives or whatever on 
different topics and it's five dollars a month this isn't like sponsored or anything it's just i think that there's a lot of valuable content and so i read it pretty much every single day but i came across this article that is called four simple ways to reduce financial anxiety and basically i mean to preface this article was written january 2nd 2022 so it or 2020 so in a completely different era of the universe this was pre-covid so obviously i think a lot of this has changed or at least these stats are probably much more severe than they were when this article was written but basically he starts out by saying our finances are a mess and the current state of most people's finances are scary and there are all of these facts americans owe one trillion dollars in total credit card debt last year americans paid more than 104 billion dollars in interest payments on that credit card debt the average american owes six thousand three hundred seventy five dollars in credit card debt it's estimated that nearly 20 million Americans have a shopping addiction. Nearly twice as many people have a credit card compared to the number of people who have a retirement account. That's a kind of a crazy fact. 44% of people couldn't handle in a $400 emergency without borrowing money. All of these scary statistics to say, which he gets into this next part, is that Finance, like this financial mess that people are in or all of these different factors of their finances that are detrimental. So credit card debt, et cetera, not having an emergency fund, not really having a grip on their finances is making people anxious and miserable. And then he shares what he calls some sobering money statistics. 52% of Americans admit to having cried because they didn't have enough money. Conflicts over money is the number two leading cause of divorce behind infidelity, but it's easy to imagine how money conflicts and infidelity could be related issues, which I definitely think there's some truth to that. And then 28% of, of millennials admit that they regularly try to make themselves look wealthier and more successful on social media than they are in real life. And this was pre-TikTok. I mean, TikTok existed at this time, but TikTok on January 2nd, 2020 is not what TikTok is today on August 23rd, 2022. I think that these statistics are probably much more severe today than they were two and a half years ago when this article was written, which is pretty crazy. So all of that being said, financial anxiety is something that I think so many people deal with, financial stress. But I don't think we really talk about it all that much. I think there's this whole movement towards mental health and going to therapy and whatnot, but there really isn't any focus on how to deal with financial anxiety and how financial anxiety can actually cripple your entire life because money rules everything. And if you don't have money to exist, if you don't have the money to pay your bills, you are going to be so stressed and so miserable that you cannot function in society. And why don't we talk about that? A little bit i think it's kind of crazy that all of the mental health like focus or movement is just focused on like not being depressed not being sad but we're not really talking about how money and not having money or not having a good relationship with money can be such a huge factor or like fuel the fact that so many people are depressed and depressed and anxious even if they have money like i think too a lot of people who struggle with money, you know, it covers all of the different spectrums and people who may be on the lower end, meaning maybe low earners who struggle with money, don't have a good relationship with money and are stressed about money, think that having more money is going to solve their problems. 
And while it will, I think up to a certain degree, there comes a point where it actually doesn't. And your relationship with money is really more important than how much money you actually make. Because if you have a horrible relationship with money and you make a lot of it, like the way that you use your money is not going to be positive or effective. It's probably gonna be detrimental to your mental health in the same way that if you don't make a lot of money, it's you're gonna have the same kind of, I guess, feelings towards it. So he goes on to say, having more money must be the answer, right? Which it's definitely not. Remember when I just told you that 52% of Americans admitted to having cried because they didn't have enough money? The problem doesn't seem to go away when you make more money. 41% of people making more than $200,000 per year have also admitted to cry because they don't have enough money. That statistic will probably shock most people. Yes, I definitely think it will. Just because, again, I think that people have this idea that a certain income means you're set or that you no longer have financial problems. And obviously, you know, if you're making 200K a year, depending on where you live and your obligations and if you have a family or not, that's probably plenty of money to sustain you and take a little bit of the pressure off. But we've also kind of moved into this world where lifestyle inflation can have a huge impact on your bills and your expenses every month. And I think going back to my point in like the era of TikTok that we're currently in, there's this whole trend that's like that girl or like clean girl or uh, now I'm kind of starting to see a little bit of it in the male demographic. Like I'm starting to see sort of men make similar videos to these women who make these very aesthetically pleasing, you know, that girl air quote, for those of you not watching the video, clean girl aesthetic -y style videos. So I don't think that this is now just like a female problem. I think it's starting to be something that men, that like we're seeing in men too, where there's such a huge focus on image and materialism and all of that and like buying things and having nice products and affordable or like accessible luxuries and all of this stuff. I guess the point that I'm trying to make here is that because of this, because that is the content that we see and consume all of the time on TikTok every single day, maybe it's just the side I'm on, the side of TikTok that I'm currently on, but essentially I see these styles of videos multiple times a day and even I've had the thoughts of like, why don't I live in an apartment like that? Like I could probably afford it. And then the financial side of my brain comes in and I'm like, well, just cause I can afford it doesn't mean it's a good financial move. Doesn't mean it would make sense for me or is aligned with my goals. And I think that's sort of where I, because this is like my whole life, differentiate myself from most people who aren't able to ration or think through it in the same way that I do. And that's sort of what I wanna get into today but essentially like lifestyle inflation. So let's say you make 200K a year, but your rent is 5K a month because you need to live in this fancy apartment so that you can make these TikToks and show people that you are doing really well. You know, you're gonna have anxiety over the fact that your output is so significantly high or higher than what it needs to be to keep up with an image. So that's all to say that having more money doesn't necessarily solve your problems. And I think it all boils down to the relationship that you have with money for one, but also the goals that you have and how you align your spending to your priorities. So when I think back to myself, like I make good money now, you know, I'm doing really well in my business. And my income, could I, I have a roommate. Could I afford to live 
either in my current apartment alone and just pay twice what I pay every month, so pay $3,200 a month for my apartment, or even theoretically upgrade and pay in LA, like a lot of people pay $3,500, $4,000 a month to live alone in like a one or two bedroom apartment in like a nice building that has amenities. Could I afford to do that? Uh, as in like, could I pay that much money and still be fine and be able to put food on the table and eat and, and experience my life? Yes, I could, I could. Do I choose to do that? No, why? There are a lot of reasons. One being that I can see three to four years in advance in that in a couple of years, I don't wanna be living with a roommate, renting an apartment. Like when I turn 30, I wanna have a house. I wanna have my own space and I want that to be in California currently. So in order for me to do that, I need to save money now. I need to be thinking about that and accumulating wealth. So if I wanna buy a house when I turn 30, you know, I can have the money to do that. If I were to spend twice as much money as I'm spending now on rent or even more than that on rent just to live alone, that's gonna severely slow down my timeline and my ability to accumulate wealth over the next couple of years in order to reach that sort of like arbitrary undefined goal right now because I don't have a clear vision on what I want that to look like just yet. The other thing is just like, I don't necessarily need to live alone. I don't necessarily need to have a different space. Could having a different space enhance my home life? Maybe but I don't think enough so to be worth the amount of money that I would be paying. So I think those are things that a lot of people don't keep in mind when they're making any sort of financial decision, but predominantly, you know, living decisions and whatnot. And so that can obviously impact your lifestyle or your essential spending in general, as well as the lifestyle that you're able to live. And it definitely compounds financial anxiety. So all of that being said, I wanna get into how financial anxiety can sort of manifest into your life because I think a lot of us too deal with financial anxiety a little bit differently. And I have found this in my own patterns as well, like how I deal with financial anxiety and how it sort of comes up for me and my behavior. It varies on two sides of the spectrum. One being like, if I'm feeling financially anxious, I'll just completely ignore my finances and I'll tend to spend more money and just be like, you know, life's short. What's another 50 bucks? What, what's another 100 bucks? It's fine. Or I'll ebb on the other side where I'll get really restrictive and I'll be really obsessive about tracking things. And for the most part, I feel like I'm in a place where I kind of fall right down the middle, but when I am feeling anxious, it kind of does ebb one side to the other. And so I'm gonna go through what a couple of these could be. So how financial anxiety can manifest in your life. One is overspending. So you, I think naturally would think that having anxiety around how you spend your money or how much money you're spending would manifest in just spending less or wanting to pull back. But I think something that we forget is that spending money gives you a dopamine hit. And this is why a lot of people struggle with overspending and how overspending ultimately leads to financial anxiety, but it can also be a way that people cope with financial anxiety as well. It basically becomes like a vicious cycle where you spend money to feel better about the anxiety you have about your finances and for that to only perpetuate the anxiety that you're feeling. And it's sort of like a loop. It's almost like binge eating where like, you know, you binge or something and you eat a lot of food and in order to counteract that, you don't eat for a full day and then you do it again and again and again. It's a very, 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 very difficult cycle to break. 
And so it's definitely something that I find a lot of people sort of fall into the trap of. Another one is like a fear of spending. So thinking about like being super, super frugal to the point where maybe it's very obsessive or it doesn't make sense or it's unreasonable. So this was kind of a phase that I also went through when I graduated college and was living in the city, like just because I didn't feel like I had a good grip on my finances or I didn't have any clear financial goals or any clear financial direction. So I thought that the way to combat that was to just not spend. What I didn't realize at the time was that I just had severe financial anxiety due to lack of awareness of what was going on in my life and what I wanted out of my life. And so that's why it's so important ultimately to like set financial goals and to think about the life that you want to envision long-term and how, even if you don't know exactly what that is. So going back to my point of like, in a couple of years, I would like to buy a house in California. And even though I don't know exactly what that would cost, exactly what that would look like if there would be another person in the picture um, at that point in time, it's I don't know. What I do know for sure is that by the time I'm 30, I'd like to live alone. And by the time I'm 30, I would like to own property. Hopefully those things happen. You know, at a minimum, I'll live alone, but ideally, or with a partner, but I don't want to have like a roommate at that phase of my life. And so in order to prepare for that, like I had alluded to before, I'm, you know, living with a roommate now, spending less on rent than I necessarily could with that future in mind. And I think if you don't have some idea of what you're working towards or what you want your life to look like because you're sort of just going through the motions and you're doing what society expects you to do, which is like live in a city and have a job and go to work and whatever, you lose that foresight and you lose the ability to make better decisions on a day-to-day basis because you're not thinking about, you know, the end goal or like what you would want things to be like even a couple years from now. Another like I guess behavior associated with financial anxiety would be like not having control over your finances. So thinking about like being unable to budget or unable to stick to a budget, being unable to save, um, not being able to prioritize your different goals and stuff. Like that is essentially analysis paralysis. It's not really having a clear picture or clear direction on what you want to do or how you're going to get there. That is a both a cause of financial anxiety and a symptom of financial anxiety where sometimes like, and this happens to me just because I have like generalized anxiety as a whole, not just anxiety around my finances. But like if I'm in a certain situation where I'm very, very anxious, I'm not always necessarily able to like fully control how I react or able to control how I behave necessarily. Not in the sense of like it's irrational, uncontrollable, but like sometimes you make impulsive decisions when you don't know where you want to be or the direction you want to move in. And that's kind of what this is sort of saying. And then the last piece is like both a symptom and a cause of financial anxiety is depression. So A, if you're depressed, the way that you cognitively behave is a little bit different. But B, if you have financial anxiety and it it can give you depression or it can make you depressed because money rules everything. And if you don't have money to do things, if you don't have money to pay your bills, you are going to feel awful. And it's just a reality um, that I think a lot of people aren't fully honest with themselves about just because it may not be sensitive to people's feelings or politically correct or whatever, but 
in the spirit of staying like true to the tone of a lot of things that I say, particularly on the podcast, um, it's not sensitive. This isn't politically correct, but I'll deal with, I'll try to deliver it as nicely as I can. If you don't have money to pay your bills or like you are in a job where you're not making enough to sustain yourself, you're going to be miserable forever. And the only person who can get you out of that is you. I have an entire episode about like earning potential and pursuing your passions versus pursuing your interests. I wanna tell you right now to stop feeding your delusions. If you are in a job where you're not making enough money but you're passionate about it and you can't pay your bills, you're gonna be miserable forever until you're able to make ends meet. Like if you think that pursuing your passion in the name of you know, putting financial security to the side, you're delusional. It just is what it is. Like, I I don't know how else to say it, to be perfectly clear, but like, that's just how I, that's how I feel. And I feel like that's how a lot of people feel, but maybe it's hard to see when you're in it. Now that the tough love part of this podcast episode is over, we are going to go through how you can deal with financial anxiety in a like tactful way. Um, what we're not gonna do is go through money affirmations and shit like that. Not that that's not helpful, but I do find a lot of like, cause when I was looking through like TikTok and stuff to see how other people deal with financial anxiety, I found a lot of the content was like, tell yourself that you create an abundant life and like, that's all great and stuff, but it's not tactical. And I personally thrive best when given tactical steps. That's why so much of the content I put out is very just like to the point. Um, and I think that it's important to think about what you can actually do right now and see a, like a real result almost immediately, as opposed to just telling yourself that everything's gonna be fine. You know, believing that things are gonna work out and be fine is very, very important. Um, but I think action is also very, very important. So a couple of things here, we're going to start first with tracking your expenses. So tracking your expenses, and I know some of you guys probably are going to roll your eyes at this tracking your expenses is like arguably to me, the most important thing you can do when it comes to getting a grip on your personal finances. It is the first thing that you should start doing when you are trying to like start your financial journey but it's also something that should always be what you go back to when you're trying to regain control over your money. And a personal example, when I was home, I really didn't go through my normal money routine. So I have a weekly money routine that I always do. I talk about it all the time. The first step of that is tracking your expenses. And since I was home, I just like didn't really do that. And so I was still spending money. Like I, I was still going out to dinner. I was seeing friends. I was buying coffee. Like I was doing some shopping. It's not like my finances just stopped because I wasn't here. Like also I still pay bills. Even if I'm home for half a month, like I pay full rent. I still pay for utilities, like all those things. Um, but I wasn't taking the time to sit down and look at my finances. I basically put everything on hold for two weeks. And when I tell you that the amount of anxiety I had just getting back into it, pulling up my credit card statement was overwhelming. And that all goes to show that when you track your expenses on a regular basis, you actually have like a full grip on 
your finances and what your finances look like all the time. It puts you in the driver's seat of your financial future. And that's something that I think so many people overlook because they just don't want to track their expenses or they don't want to take the time to do it. Tracking your expenses is therapeutic, um, especially if you do it regularly because you actually see where your money is going. And then you can use that information to expose negative patterns, negative behaviors, and then make better financial decisions on a day-to-day basis. Do not overlook this. Um, I think, again, so many people don't want to do it just because it's can be time consuming, but if the only thing you're thinking about is that tracking my expenses takes too long, you're basically selling yourself short on all of the things that you could be improving on or doing better if you just took the time, five minutes to do it. You also will realize that maybe the first time you go in and track your expenses, it's a little overwhelming, but as you continue to do so, it's something that provides so much direction when it comes to managing your money. You know, I think the one of the most frequently asked questions I get is like, Michaela, I'm new on my financial my financial journey. Like, where do I even start? And I could sit here and tell you to go open a bunch of different accounts and go, you know, download a budgeting app or buy the personal finance dashboard, which you should do. You can use the code podcast one for $10 off. Really, the first thing that you should do is just start tracking your expenses. Start writing down. You can do it on the notes app on your phone. Start writing down. Like every time you go buy something, just write it down. You don't have to, you know, necessarily do anything with it yet, but bringing awareness to the money you're spending is the first step. Um, Because how you spend is equally, if not more important to how you save. And we're only ever taught how to save. We're not taught how to spend. So tracking your expenses will give you control. And I think anxiety, you know, the best way to combat anxiety is to take your control back, take your power back. Because ultimately, like I think about anxiety is worrying about things that are outside of our control, like worrying about things that may be coming in the future or that are uncertain or that we can't tangibly fix on our own. That's at least what my anxiety is around. Um, or things maybe not happening that I want to happen and not having control over that timeline. And to me, tracking expenses is an easy way to bring myself back into the controlling driver's seat of my financial life. So if you are not tracking your expenses and you're feeling financial anxiety, that is what you need to start doing. That would be my first tip. Now, let's say that you are tracking your expenses and you do feel financial anxiety. What's the next thing that you could try doing? The next thing would be to focus on the things that you can control. So piggybacking off of that last step, um, really anxiety comes down to not feeling like you're in control. So what are things in your finances that you have control over? You have control over your budget. You have control over your routines. You have control over your approach to your finances. So it could be Maybe you go back and you revisit your budget and you make adjustments to how you've been spending or you go back and you look at where your money is going for your financial goals and maybe you reassess those financial goals. Sometimes anxiety can come from having unrealistic expectations on ourselves. So using myself as an example again, before I moved to LA, if you're an OG, you know this, my big goal was to purchase a condo and move back into Boston and I Thank God every single day that that plan didn't work out for me because if it did, I wouldn't be sitting in this chair right now doing this. Um, I probably would still be working a corporate job and I wouldn't be happy. So I think 
for me, when that was my goal, I had so much financial anxiety because I felt like every single decision that I made was either bringing me closer to that goal or pulling me away from it. And I have content where I talk about that, where I literally say those words. And that's just not a healthy mindset to be in when it comes to your finances. And the reason I bring that up is because the goal that I had set for myself was not realistic for the income that I had at the time and for the stage of life that I was in. And I was trying to rush something that didn't need to be rushed and that shouldn't have been rushed. And ultimately had that sort of panned out the way that I had thought I wanted it to, I would have ended up in a situation that I was really stuck in that would have been hard for me to get out of and that I wouldn't have been happy with. So I think if you are setting unrealistic goals for yourself away and you're feeling anxiety because of it, a way to combat that is to take a step back and sort of reevaluate your plans, reevaluate the goals that you've set, reevaluate the budget that you're currently following. Because remember, a budget has three main components, your essential expenses, your financial goals, and your lifestyle spending. So your goals are part of your budget or your broader plan. Go back and reevaluate those. Reassess what you're doing and make changes to reflect your current state of being. Not necessarily in a way where like maybe you're, I don't want to joke about being mentally unstable, but like I'm going to. Maybe you're like going through a phase where, you know, things aren't going right in your life. Like don't necessarily adjust your budget to like, you know, enable overspending or being financially irresponsible. But let's say maybe you're going through a phase where, you know, you're rethinking the things that you wanted in your life. That's a really great time to go back and review your budget. And I think that when you do that and you have a budget that makes sense for your life currently, you will take a lot of pressure off of yourself. And that's another thing too, is like anxiety can be a result of putting too much pressure on yourself for something unnecessarily. And that's something that I've learned on my own over the last, I would say year or so of living here, even in my decision-making process of, moving here um, because I had to like let go of a lot of things that I had told myself that I wanted to do, told other people that I was doing to sort of pursue something that kind of came out of left field, um, which was moving here. Like I two years ago, a year and a half ago, I would have never even considered moving to California, but here we are and it ended up being the best choice for me. Um, But to get back to my main point, like sometimes having an expectation of yourself or being unrealistic can lead to self-sabotaging behaviors and ultimately financial anxiety. So just reassess what you have going on. Um, My last tip on how to deal with financial anxiety, or actually not my last tip because I'm going to add one more to this list. But my third tip, I guess, is to create contingency plans. So a contingency plan is basically like different tiers of worst case scenarios. So one of the reasons why I personally love the personal finance dashboard, and this is honestly like my favorite feature of the tool is the annual spending plan tab. The reason why I love that is because it gives you a full picture of the year. And essentially you can go in and plug and play your entire financial year like you're, you can map out what your income is going to look like. This is especially helpful if you work a corporate job and you like kind of know what your income is going to look like. You can map out all of your different expenses and then you can map out your goals to get you out to like allocating all of your money with the zero-based budget. I love 
this tool because when you have all of the inputs, you can literally play around with it and create different scenarios to see where you land. So like, let's say your income, you work a corporate job, your income's 5K a month, okay? So you know over the course of the year that you're gonna be making $60,000 after tax. And with that $60,000, what are you gonna do with it? Maybe you know in two months you're gonna move. And so your living expenses are going to change and they're gonna increase. So what do you do? You can go in and map that out and see, okay, if my living expenses increase by $500, how does that impact my goals? If I don't want my goals to be impacted, what do I have to change in my spending, et cetera, in order to maintain those goals to stay on track and not you know, decrease my quality of life? You can see and visualize these different plans and then also create contingency plans. So I, this is a coping mechanism for me is I would always go in and say like, okay, if I worst case scenario only saved a hundred dollars a month, like this is where I'd land at the end of the year or worst case scenario. If I, you know, overspent by $300 a month, like this is the impact it would have. I could see and plan and map out and visualize, which is so important for me. And I think for a lot of people, what these different scenarios would have, the impact they would have on my finances. And that gave me peace of mind, just knowing like, okay, I've gone through the exercise of understanding if I were to lose my income, if I were to move, if I were to, you know, overspend three months or my expenses were were to materially change, what would happen? And just knowing that like, what the impact would be, reminding yourself the impact isn't severe and actually going through the plan and mapping it all out and reassuring yourself that things are going to be okay. Like the amount of stress that came off of my shoulders through going through those types of exercises was so incredible that like, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to map out these different plans. The other reason I like it is like, say you're going through a life change. So when I was deciding to move, even when I was deciding whether or not I wanted to purchase a condo, I went through and mapped out like, okay, if I buy this condo and my mortgage payment is this and I'm bringing in this much money, like if I were to change my 401k contribution and I still wanted to save this amount of money per month, like how much would I be working with and is that realistic? And then if if I were to pull a different lever, what would I be working with? And same with moving, like I mapped out to figure out where I wanted to land for rent and what was realistic for what I was looking for in an apartment versus how much I wanted to pay. I mapped it out. Like if I were to pay $1,600 in rent, which is what I pay now, this is what I could get. If I were to pay $2,000 in rent, I could get this much more, but it would bring down my expenses by X amount. And then it would impact my goals by X amount. Or if I wanted to pay, you know, $1,200 a month, maybe I'd have to have another roommate and that would have a tangible impact on my quality of life. And is that tangible impact worth being able to save an extra $300? Like having these different scenarios that I could play around with, I like life-changing. So if you don't have a tool like that, you know what I'm going to say, get the personal finance dashboard, uh, $10 off using the code podcast one, always linked in the show notes. The last tip I have for like dealing with financial anxiety before we wrap this up is having financial routines. So again, I have an entire podcast episode about financial routines, deep diving on what they are, but essentially I have two main routines that I go through with my finances that keep me in the driver's seat of my financial life and just allow me to maintain an ever going constant pulse check on where I'm standing financially. 
One is a weekly money routine. So that's just tracking my expenses every week, tracking my income every week, looking at you know where my money is going, making adjustments to my plan, which is so beneficial. If you don't do that, you need to do that. Um, adjusting your plan on a regular basis. Like your finances are dynamic and you can set a plan at the beginning of the month, but if you have a budget, like that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to stick to it. The best way to stick to a budget is to constantly adjust your budget. And so that's part of the weekly routine and it will give you like so much more security in how you're spending your money and what you're spending your money on so that during the month, you're not like, well, I blew my budget. So now I'm not going to go back and I'm just going to miss my goals this month and I'll start over next next month or at the beginning of the new month that not healthy all that does is perpetuate financial anxiety so having a weekly routine very very important the other piece is the monthly routine and that's taking time every single month to just sort of like reset your finances almost and never go too long without taking time to actually assess how everything is going, how you're progressing towards your goals, more so than just tracking your income. So that's like looking at your savings, looking at your investments, looking at your debt payoff, looking at your net worth, just getting a pulse on like, is my net worth growing? Am I saving more? Is it pay off debt? Am I sticking to the budget that I've set every month? Do I need to make different adjustments? Do I need to think about maybe making more money? Like when you have this full view, of your money consistently, you will make better decisions and you'll feel a lot more confident and secure in your financial future, in your finances currently, and you'll make smarter day-to-day spending decisions and you'll show up better in your life. Like I think, you know, we don't emphasize enough how impactful proper money management skills can be on your life beyond your finances. Like if you feel financially insecure and you feel like you don't have a grip on your finances or on your budget, you will not show up as your best self in your day-to-day life, at your job, with your friends, in your social life, in your relationships, because that's always going to be a thought looming on the back of your mind. So if you don't have a monthly money routine, you definitely should implement one. And if you're looking for resources on how you can do that, you can follow me on Instagram or go listen to those different podcast episodes, the episodes where I talk about it. I think, I don't remember what it's called, but it should very clearly in the title say like my financial routines or like healthy financial routines or whatever. That's all I've got for this podcast episode. Um, Hopefully this was a good one. I hope when I listen back to it, I like it. I feel like I'm going to. Um, But I just guess want to wrap this up by saying that if you are somebody who struggles with financial anxiety or you've been feeling financially anxious, you're not alone. I feel it too. Even though maybe sometimes it looks like on social media, I've got my shit together. I don't always like, I don't always feel great or confident about my finances. I go through phases too where I'm not feeling very good and it's normal. So don't feel ashamed or sad or disappointed in yourself if you're struggling or you're going through like a period of time where you just don't feel very good about your money situation because you'll get out of it as long as you implement like healthy tactical things like I talked about in order to get back on track. So if you like this podcast episode, make sure you leave me a review, follow me on Instagram, all the things, and I will catch you guys in the next one.